0: Chapter 15, verses 1 through 14 of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and He that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Rabanus. The men of Gennesaret, and the less learned, believe, but they who seem to be wise come to dispute with him. According to that, thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Whence it is said, they came to him from Jerusalem, scribes and Pharisees. Augustine, the evangelist thus constructs the order of his narrative, then came unto him, that, as appeared in the passage over the lake, the order of the events that followed, that might be shown. Chrysostom. For this reason also the evangelist marks the time that he may show their iniquity overcome by nothing. For they came to him at a time when he had wrought many miracles, when he had healed the sick by the touch of his hem. That the scribes and Pharisees are here said to have come from Jerusalem, it should be known that they were dispersed through all the tribes, but those that dwelt in the metropolis were worse than the others. Their high dignity inspired them with a greater degree of pride." they were faulty for two reasons because they had come from jerusalem from the holy city and because they were elders of the people and doctors of the law and had not come to learn but to reprove the lord for it is added saying why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders jerome wonderful infatuation of the pharisees and scribes they accused the son of god that he does not keep the traditions and commandments of men Chrysostom. Observe how they are taken in their own question. They say not, why do they transgress the law of Moses, but the tradition of the elders? Whence it is manifest that the priests had introduced many new things. Although Moses had said, Ye shall not add aught to the word which I set before you this day, neither shall ye take aught away from it. And when they ought to have been set free from observances, then they bound themselves by many more, fearing lest any should take away their rule and power. They sought to increase the awe in which they were held by setting themselves forth as legislators Rigmigius. of what kind these traditions were mark shows when he says the pharisees and all the jews except they wash their hands oft eat not here then also they find fault with the disciples saying for they wash not their hands when they eat bread Bede. taking carnally those words of the prophets in which it is said wash and be ye clean they observed it only in washing the body. Hence they had laid it down, though we ought not to eat with unwashed hands. Jerome. But the hands that are to be washed are the acts not of the body, but of the mind, that the word of God may be done in them. Chrysostom. But the disciples now did not eat with washing hands, because they already despise all things superfluous, and attended only to such as were necessary. Thus they accepted neither washing nor not washing as a rule, but did either as it happened. For how should they, who even neglected the food that was necessary for them, have any care about this rite, Rigmigius. Or the Pharisees found fault with the Lord's disciples, not concerning that washing which we do from ordinary habit, and of necessity, but of that superfluous washing which was invented by the tradition of the elders? Persostom. Christ made no excuse for them, but immediately brought a countercharge, showing that he that sins in great things ought not to take offense at the slight sins of others. He answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? He says not that they do well to transgress, that he may not give room for calumny; nor on the other hand does he condemn what the apostles had done, that he may not sanction their traditions nor again does he bring any charge directly against them of old, that they might not put him from them as a calumniator. But he points his reproof against those who had come to him, thus at the same time touching the elders who had laid down such a tradition, saying, Jerome, since ye, because of the tradition of men, neglect the commandment of God, why do you take upon you to reprove my disciples for bestowing little regard upon the precepts of the elders, that they may observe the commands of God. For God hath said, Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor in the scriptures is shown not so much in salutations and courtesies as in alms and gifts. Honor, says the apostle, the widows who are widows indeed. Here honor signifies a gift. The Lord then, having thought for the infirmity, the age or the poverty of the parents, commanded that sons should honor their parents in providing them with necessaries of life. Sostom. He desired to show the great honor that ought to be paid to parents, and therefore attached both a reward and a penalty. But in this occasion, the Lord passes over the reward promised to such as did honor their parents, namely that they should live long upon the earth, and brings forward the terrible part only, namely the punishment, that he might strike these dumb and attract others. And he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. Thus he shows that they deserved even death. For if he who dishonors his parents, even in word, is worthy of death, much more ye who have dishonored him in deed. and ye not only dishonor your parents, but teach others to do likewise. Ye then who do not deserve even to live, how accuse ye my disciples? But how they transgress the commandment of God is clear when he adds, But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Jerome. For the scribes and Pharisees, desiring to overturn this foregoing, most provident law of God, that they might bring in their impiety under the mask of piety, taught bad sons, that should any desire to devote to God, who is the true parent, those things which ought to be offered to the parents, the offering to the Lord should be preferred to the offering them to parents. Gloss. In this interpretation, the sense will be, What I offer to God will profit both you and myself, and therefore you ought not to take my goods for your own needs, but to suffer that I offer them to God. Jerome. And thus the parents refusing what they saw thus dedicated to God, that they might not incur the guilt of sacrilege, perished of want. And so it came to pass that what the children offered for the needs of the temple and the service of God went to the gain of the priests. Gloss or the sense may be, whatsoever, that is, of you young men shall say, that is, shall either be able to say, or shall say, to his father or mother, O father, the gift that is of me devoted to God, shall it profit thee? As it were an exclamation of surprise, you ought not to take it that you may not incur the guilt of sacrilege, or we may read it with this ellipse, whosoever shall say to his father, etc., ye shall do the commandment of God, or shall fulfill the law, or shall be worthy of eternal life. Jerome, or it may briefly have the following sense, ye compel children to say to their parents, what gift soever I was purposing to offer God, you take and consume upon your living, and so it profits you, as much as to say, do not so. Gloss, and thus through these arguments of your avarice, this youth shall honor not his father or his mother. As if he had said, Ye have led sons into most evil deeds, so that it will come to pass that afterwards they shall not even honor their father and mother. And thus ye have made the commandment of God concerning the support of parents by their children vain through your traditions, obeying the dictates of avarice. Augustine, Christ here clearly shows both that that law which the heretic blasphemes is God's law, and that the Jews had their traditions foreign to the prophetical and canonical books, such as the Apostle calls profane and vain fables. Id. The Lord here teaches us many things, that it was not he that turned the Jews from their God, that not only did he not infringe the commandments, but convicts them of infringing them, and that he had ordained no more than those by the hand of Moses. Id. Otherwise, the gift whatsoever thou offerest on my account shall profit thee, that is to say, whatsoever gift thou offerest on my account shall henceforth remain with thee. The son signifying by these words that there is no longer need that parents should offer for him, as he is of age to offer for himself. And those who were of age to be able to say thus to their parents, the Pharisees denied that they were guilty if they did not show honor to their parents. Verses 7-11 through Ye hypocrites, well did Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Chrysostom The Lord had shown that the Pharisees were not worthy to accuse those who transgressed the commands of the elders, seeing they overthrew the law of God themselves, and he again proves this by the testimony of the prophet. Hypocrites, well did Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Rigmigius. Hypocrites signifies dissembler, one who feigns one thing in his outward act and bears another thing in his heart. These then are well called hypocrites, because under cover of God's honor, they sought to keep up for themselves earthly gain. Rabbanus. Isaiah saw before the hypocrisy of the Jews that they would craftily oppose the gospel, and therefore he said in the person of the Lord, This people honoreth me with their lips, etc. Rigmigius, for the Jewish nations seemed to draw near to God with their lips and mouth, insomuch as they boasted that they held the worship of the one God. But in their hearts they departed from him because after they had seen his signs and miracles they would neither acknowledge his divinity nor receive him Rabanus. also they honoured him with their lips when they said master we know that thou art true but their heart was far from him when they sent spies to entangle him in his talk gloss or they honoured him in commanding outward purity but in that they lacked the inward which is the true purity Their heart was far from God, and such honor was of no avail to them. As it follows, but without reason do they worship me, teaching doctrines and commandments of men. Rabanus. Therefore they shall not have the reward with the true worshipers, because they teach doctrines and commandments of men to the contempt of the law of God. Chrysostom. Having added weight to his accusation of the Pharisees by the testimony of the prophet, and not having amended them, He now ceases to speak to them, and turns to the multitudes, and he calls the multitude and said unto them, Hear, and understand, because he was about to set before them a high dogma, and full of much philosophy. He does not utter it nakedly, but so frames his speech that it should be received by them, first by exhibiting anxiety on their account, which the evangelist expresses by the words, and he called the multitude to him. Secondly, the time he chooses recommends his speech. After the victory he has just gained over the Pharisees, and he not merely calls the multitude to him, but rouses their attention by the words, Hear and understand, that is, attend and give your minds to what ye are to hear. But he said not unto them, The observance of meats is not, nor Moses bade you wrongly, but, in the way of warning and advice, draws his testimony from natural things. Not what entereth in at the mouth defileth a man, but what goeth forth of the mouth that defileth a man. Jerome, the word here, makes a man common, is particular to scripture, and not hackinated in common parlance. The Jewish nation, boasting themselves to be a part of God, call those meats common, of which all men partake. For example, swine's flesh, shellfish, hares, and those species of animals that do not divide the hoof, and chew the cud. And among the fish, such as have not scales. Hence in the Acts of the Apostles we read, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Common, then, in this sense, is that which is free to the rest of mankind, and as though not in part of God, is therefore called unclean. Augustine, this declaration of the Lord, Not that which entereth into the mouth defileth a man, is not contrary to the old testament as the apostle also speaks to the pure all things are pure and every creature of god is good let the manichaeans understand if they can that the apostle said this of the very natures and qualities of things while that letter of the ritual law declared certain animals unclean not in their nature but typically for certain figures which were needed for a time therefore to take an instance in the swine and the lamb By nature, both are clean, because, naturally, every creature of God is good. But in a certain typical meaning, the lamb is clean and the swine unclean. Take the two words fool and wise in their own nature as sounds or letters. Both of them are pure, but one of them, because of the meaning attached to it, not because of anything in its own nature, may be said to be impure. And perhaps what the swine are in typical representation, that among mankind is the fool, and the animal in this word of two syllables stoltis signify someone and the same thing that animal is reckoned unclean in the law because it does not chew the cud but this is not its fault but its nature but the men of whom this animal is the emblem are impure by their own fault not by nature they readily hear the words of wisdom but never think upon them again whatever of profit you may hear to summon this up from the internal region of the memory, through the sweetness of recollection into the mouth of the thought, what is this but spiritually to chew the cud? They who do not this are represented by this species of animal, such resemblances as these in speech or in ceremonies, having figurative signification, profitably and pleasantly move the rational mind. But by the former people, many such things were not only to be heard, but to be kept as precepts. For that was a time when it behooved, not in words only, but in deeds, to prophesy those things which hereafter were to be revealed. When these had been revealed through Christ and in Christ, the burdens of the observances were not imposed on the faith of the Gentiles, but the authority of the prophecy was yet confirmed. But I ask of the Manichaeans whether this declaration of the Lord, when he said that a man is not defiled by what enters into his mouth, is true or false. If false, why then does their doctor, Adamentius bring it forward against the Old Testament? If true, why contrary to its tenor do they consider that they are thus defiled? Jerome, the thoughtful reader may here object and say, If that which entereth into the mouth defileth not a man, why do we not feed on meats offered to idols? Be it known, then, that meats in every creature of God is in itself clean, but the invocation of idols and demons makes them unclean with those at least who with conscience of the idol eat that which is offered to idols and their conscience being weak is polluted as the apostle says Rigmigius, but if any one's faith be so strong that he understands that god's creature can in no way be defiled let him eat what he will after the food has been hollowed by the word of god and of prayer yet so that his liberty. Be not made an offense to the weak, as the Apostle speaks. Verses 12 through 14. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Jerome. In one of the Lord's discourses, the whole superstition of Jewish observances had been cut down. They placed their whole religion in using or abstaining from certain meats. Chrysostom. When the Pharisees heard the things that went before, they made no reply to them, because he had so mightily overthrown them, not only refuting their arguments, but detecting their fraud. But they, not the multitudes, were offended at them. Then came his disciples unto him, and said, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Jerome, as this word scandalum, offense or stumbling block, is of such frequent use in ecclesiastical writings, we will shortly explain it. We might render it in Latin as offendicolum, or ruina, or impactico. And so when we read whosoever shall scandalize, we understand whoso by word or deed has given an occasion of falling to any. Chrysostom. Christ does not remove the stumbling block out of the way of the Pharisees, but rather rebukes them, as it follows, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. This, Manichaeus affirmed, was spoken of the law, but what has been already said is sufficient refutation of this. For if he had said this of the law, how would he have above contended for the law, saying, Why transgress ye the commandment of God through your tradition? Or would he have cited the prophets? Or how, if God said, Honor thy father and thy mother, is not this, being spoken in the law, a plant of God? Hilary, what he intends, then, by a plant not planted of his father, is that tradition of men under the cover of which the law has been transgressed. This, he instructs them, must be rooted up. Every false doctrine and superstitious observance with the workers thereof cannot endure, and because it is not from God the Father, it shall be rooted up with the same, and that only shall endure which is of God. Jerome, shall that plant also be rooted up, of which the Apostle says, I planted, Apollos watered? The question is answered by what follows, but God gave the increase. He says also, Ye are God's husbandry, a building of God, And in another place, we are workers together of God. And if when Paul plants in Apollos waters, they are in so doing workers together with God, then God plants and waters together with them. This passage is abused by some who apply it at once to two different kinds of men. They say, If every plant which the Father hath not planted shall be rooted up, then that which he has planted cannot be rooted up. But let them hear the words of Jeremiah, I had planted thee a true vine, wholly a right seed. See then, art thou turned into the bitterness of a strange vine? God indeed has planted it, and none may root up his planting. But since that planting was through the disposition of the will of him which was planted, none other can root it up unless its own will consents thereto. Gloss. Or the plant here spoken of may be the doctors of the law with their followers, who had not Christ for their foundation. Why they are to be rooted up, he adds, let them alone. They are blind, leaders of the blind. Rabanus. They are blind, that is, they want the light of God's commandments, and they are leaders of the blind, insomuch as they draw others headlong, erring, and leading into error. Whence it is added, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Jerome. This is also the same as that apostolic injunction, a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that such an one is perverse. To the same end, the Savior commands evil teachers to be left to their own will, knowing that it is hardly that they can be brought to the truth. End of chapter 15, verses 1 through 14.